0: Good morning. We're continuing our series on the book of James and today in particular, uh, we're at week three and we're at James two verses one to 13 if you would like to open that in your Bibles. Uh, It's interesting because entrepreneur and author Margaret Hefferman called attention to a fascinating study by Purdue biologist William Muir in a recently highlighted TED talk. He was studying the productivity of chickens. With two groups central to the experiment, he chose a flock of chickens average in their productivity and left the group to itself for six generations. He compared this group to a group of super chickens, the highest producing chickens. Now, what he meant by highest producing was egg count. But together, he put them together in a flock with the superstars among them leading the breeding for six generations. So what happened to the productivity? Surely the super chickens ruled the roost, right? Not so. Much to their surprise, the end of the study found that the average chicken group was plump, healthy, and with an increased level of output versus the first generation. Among the super chickens, that group, only three were left all the others were packed to death it turns out that the superstar chickens reached such status by suppressing the other chickens oh and by suppressing he said i mean murdering we see that in our uh in the chicken coop there is this pecking order i i've had the privilege a few times to be around chickens and always there seems to be that poor little hen that looks so poor and has lost its feathers and often you ask what's wrong with that one why is it so sick and then it will be said often that it is because that chicken is the one that's pecked on by all the other hens But you see, this pecking order is a system by which birds arrange their social standing in the flock. Today James is teaching us a hard lesson as the Church of Jesus Christ. That there is to be no pecking order in the Church of Jesus. We are not to show favoritism as we heard our scripture read today. We are not to be ones who divide people into different categories and treat people in lower categories that we think poorly as we'll see today in our passage why are we not to treat people in such a way because god doesn't treat us that way in god's eyes we are all created in his image therefore we are all beloved and we are all his children In our world, the system is very different. In the world system, we like to divide people into categories, don't we? We like to divide the poor and the rich, the black and the white, the male and female, uh, uh, adult and child, good-looking and not-so-good-looking, educated and illiterate. Dare I say, in Prince Edward Island, those who are true islanders and those from away And so, in our first four verses today, we see that God does not play favorites. Therefore, we do not play favorites either. We all know and have been around times, I know I have, when I have witnessed a grandparent or a parent for some reason showing, or a teacher showing special favor to one child over the others. And something within us shouts, That is wrong. It is so unfair. See, favoritism is the favoring of a person or a group over the other with equal claims and partiality. We know it by other words. Maybe your version of the Bible has used different words, bias, intolerance, unfairness, preference, prejudice, narrow-mindedness, discrimination. You can use whatever word you like. But James says it has no place in the church of Jesus Christ. See, he is writing here to Christians. He is writing here to the church. We see those kinds of things go on in the world, but that is not to happen in the church of Jesus Christ. The world is always assessing people, sizing them up, putting them down, putting people into different categories, but not so for God. All men and women are made equal in the image of God and therefore are to be treated With love and respect, and in the same consideration, the way that God has treated them. Jesus warned us in the Gospels of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew 7, verse 1, he said, Do not judge, for you will be judged. There is only one judge, and that is God the Father. And so he says, We don't show favorites because God doesn't show favorites. He says uh, says then in verses 5 to 7, Stop favoring the rich. See, there is the, the worldly attitude of the lust of the eyes, that we look at what looks pleasing to the eye. We look at outward appearances. I like what somebody said, the itch to hitch to the rich. <laughs> Don't follow the itch to hitch to the rich. You see, that is a superficial faith, not the faith that God calls us to james is arguing in this passage today that it is wrong to honor people solely because of their position or their wealth you see there comes this moment in the church where these are believing it's believing to be two uh, outsiders <clears throat> that have come into the church for a time of worship and one that has come in a non-believer that's come in that is wealthy and one that has come in who is poor and they treated both of them very, very differently. The one who was wealthy was given a place of honor where the poor was put to the back. But yet we know in the gospels that God has treated the poor differently. We know all throughout scripture that God has a heart for the poor. The poor love God, James say, and because they love God and come to him humbly They are heirs of his kingdom, therefore the rich, they are very rich in in a spiritual perspective. I I think often when we think of other parts of the world, us often in the western world, in the church, think we have it all together. And any of us that have had the opportunity to go to some poorer countries uh, on a mission trip begin to realize that we are truly the spiritual poor And they are the spiritually rich. That's what James is saying here. He says it's kind of ironic that you would do that because it is the rich who actually were persecuting the church in James' day. It was the rich who were actually exploiting the early church, the Christians. And yet that is the kind of person that you would honor? He's reminding the church that The rich are not in charge. The wealthy are not in charge. Jesus is the head of his church. Jesus, King Jesus, is indeed Lord. He is the anointed one, the king of glory. And if you want to honor someone, that's who you should be honoring him. And before him, all of us in the church are humbled. He gives another argument for why favoritism is wrong in the church in verses 8 to 11. He says, favoring some over others break God's law of love. You know, that royal uh, law. It was first mentioned in Leviticus 19 by Moses when he says, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That command was given to Moses early on. It is a word also that Jesus uh, spoke and even lived when he told them that they are to love their neighbor as their selves. There was an interesting uh, telecast this week, and uh, Shane Ross of CBC reported it on May 13th. And I quote our premier, Dennis King. I like what he had to say. Premier Dennis King says, He is saddened and disappointed at the behaviour of some Islanders over the last eight weeks. He said living under the public health restrictions from COVID-19 has brought out the best in many, but also the worst in others. Our Premier said, when I hear reports of people in this province being followed and threatened to see staff at our points of entry being recorded, I'm saddened and I'm disappointed. And I know we can do better, he said during a COVID 19 briefing Wednesday. King said, We are an open, welcoming society. We're wonderful people who care about others, and we have to remember that now more so than ever. He said stories he heard of people being asked to leave a store because they look like a temporary foreign worker are offensive as an islander. It's offensive to me as a Canadian and it's disappointing to me as a premier. Strong words. If there's one thing I know about COVID-19, it doesn't care much about the colour of your skin or the language you speak. End quote. See, what is a neighbor? Jesus taught us that a neighbor is anyone in need. And a neighbor is no longer seeing it only as a person of the same tribe, same neighborhood or nation. We're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Is doing it God's way. And that is what God is concerned about with his church. We have no power over those and what they do outside of the church. But James is saying to us as the church, we are to do it God's way, the better way. Jesus taught this ancient law, love your neighbor as yourself. It was central to his teaching, this royal law. It is the law that King Jesus endorsed himself, and therefore it is insisted upon his children, his church. See, the Jews saw the law as like a bank account. As long as you banked more, keeping of the law, than the breaking of the law, than you were in God's good standing. Well, there's a lot of people who think about like that today. As long as I do more good deeds than bad deeds, then I'm in a good place. But James is saying, no, it's different than that. We know that engineers will tell us that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And so James is kind of saying it's like that. It's like if you break one link, it's like you've broken them all. The sin of favoritism is a broken link. You can be doing all kinds of wonderful things for God. But if you are showing favoritism, James says you've broken the law. And so it is indeed, as he says very clearly, a sin, prejudice, discrimination, judging others solely by appearance. Is indeed a sin that breaks god's heart see favoritism amongst god's people is a violation of god's command to love your neighbor as yourself therefore it is indeed a sin i like what tony tice said partiality devalues god because it devalues a life that god created in these closing verses Uh, James is emphasizing if you want to receive mercy then you must be a person who shows mercy. I'm thankful that mercy triumphs over judgment praise God. See mercy is that compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. If we are in Jesus Christ, if we are followers of Jesus, if we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, as we look to the cross and realize that there he paid the price for my sin, for your sin, if we've been recipients of that, we have received God's mercy. We should have been punished. But instead, he put the punishment on himself that we might receive God's mercy and go free. So the argument is if God has been so merciful towards you, shouldn't you be showing mercy towards others? All Christians have been recipients of God's undeserved mercy and we are now called to express his mercy towards others. I I saw this uh, on Facebook recently and it really spoke to me. It says we are not all in the same boat we are all in the same storm you know we need to kind of stop this comparison game we need to stop looking at others and 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 finding ways to divide us and the changes and what one's doing and what one isn't doing that is none of our business because we've got enough to do to keep our boat afloat we're all in this same storm this same pandemic right now together So as I bring this message to a close this morning, favoritism is based on image, the outward. It violates God's divine standard for living. It is the opposite of this uh, royal law and God's mercy, and it has no place in the realm of God's people. I think James has made that clear. But praise God this morning, God's mercy can triumph over judgment. And so how can we ask God to have his mercy over our lives right now instead of judgment? There's two things I think we need to do. And I pray you will do it right there where you're listening today. I think, first of all, we need to be honest. We need to admit our prejudices. We need to admit when we've let our Savior down with our attitudes, when we've shown favoritism, when we've been judgmental. When we've put people into classes and have divided people up sometimes it's just an attitude of the heart and sometimes we've said things we shouldn't have we need to confess that today we need to give it to god and praise god that his mercy will be there for us and we need to commit as the church of jesus christ today that we are asking the lord with his help that we would exercise this law this royal law to love others to love our neighbors as we love ourselves and i believe truly we can only do that by god's empowerment and by god's grace there's a story I've used many times, and it's a very uh, interesting story back, I believe, from the 1970s, and it was, uh, happened in a very prim and proper uh, church, you know, the little white church, the church where at that time the men would shine their shoes for church, they'd wear a full suit and a tie, and the women would wear their hats and gloves, and uh, church was to be prim and proper. That's how they've always done it. And they went to church on a particular Sunday, and while the service was going on, the double back doors opened up, and a young man was standing there. Everybody was in shock. Why didn't he come on time? But what was interesting was this young man was in ripped jeans and barefoot and a tie-dyed t-shirt and long, straggly hair. He didn't look like he had even had a shower in quite a while. Didn't look like anyone else in the church. Everybody in shock was watching him. They actually even stared him down at one point, but he didn't leave. He continued to walk up that middle aisle until he sat right down on the floor in front of the pastor preaching. Everyone wondered what was going to happen. And at that moment, that was one shock. But the greater shock that they were now very, very fearful was there was one of the older elders of the church They all knew him he was one of the ushers and they began to watch him as he walked up the back of the church he had been there for decades now quite elderly he struggled as he walked up at the up that aisle up to the front of the church he even had a cane and they just wondered what in the world is he going to do to this straggler that came in and as the older man got up to the front by this young man he began to bend over He dropped his cane and struggled to get down on the floor and sat down right next to him. And the pastor continued to preach. I believe that's the kind of church that James is talking about in our passage. That's the kind of attitude that Jesus would have had. That is showing mercy over judgment may god all help us all to do the same i pray amen let's pray father we thank you today that uh, jesus died on the cross for us and for our sins we confess lord that there are times for us as the church we begin to reflect more the culture around us instead of who christ is and what you've called us to as the church of jesus I pray today that you would help us to look in our lives look over the times when we have shown favoritism where we have been discriminating where we have had prejudices and lord we want to now surrender that to your lordship and kingship humbly we all come to you together because at the cross is level ground and we all come to you in humility rich poor man woman adult child. And so lord we now surrender these sins to you and ask that you would forgive us. But we just don't want your forgiveness today. We want your empowerment holy spirit to live a life counterculture to what we see around us that the church of jesus christ would indeed deed be a church that demonstrates that royal law of love and your mercy. So holy spirit come and empower us, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you.